Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Connor Faulkner and this is Driving Life. Welcome to episode 9, or at least episode 9-ish, depending on how you count it. Our first half dozen or so shows each featured two interviews, but we've separated them now on the backlist of episodes. Please have a rummage through the list where you'll find chats with people like Shane Ross, Teresa Mannion, Ivan Yates, George Hook and others, names you'll know and some you won't have met yet. It's all there on seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. Just Google Driving Life with Connor Faulkner and you can email me at connorfaulkner at gmail.com. Today, we're going to have a chat about electric cars and just what it's like to own one. There's a lot in the whole e-car issue and a fair few things local and global to think about before you decide whether or not you should buy one now. It's a topic we'll be coming back to, but for the moment, I'd like you to meet a friend of mine. Tim O'Brien is a journalist in the Irish Times who's been an electric car fan for years. Tim is a motorist, but a very environmentally conscious one. He's always looked for ways to make his motoring as clean as possible, including using chip oil at one stage and smelling like a rolling chip shop in consequence. But for the last few years, he's been electric. Let's go and meet him and see how he's getting on. Tim O'Brien, hello and how are you? Very good to see you. Hi, Connor. Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you indeed. Um, we, we've spoken a lot over the years, Tim, because you're, you're working as a journalist in the Irish Times, uh, covering a lot of the sort of things that I um, you, you used to talk about. Um, and, and you've always been, as a motorist, you've always been an environmentally conscious motorist, haven't you? If there was, if there was a planet-friendly way to do it. I have. I've nearly always wor- worked in the centre of Dublin, and I know that you've worked in the centre of Dublin too. Yeah. All the grime that's on the windows, you could do drag your fingers down the window and, and leave parallel lines in the window. And it always impressed me that we would breathe that in in the centre of Dublin. Yeah. Uh, and, and when the traffic is jammed in the centre of Dublin, which is always seems to be, pretend uh, yeah. you're there anyway, uh, I always had this idea, that's going into my lungs. Whatever it's doing for the environment, it's pretty bad for me. It's it's yeah it's clear, it clearly can't be good if it's if it's stained the front of Trinity College and turned it dirty black. Uh, it's clearly not a great idea to be breathing it in every day. No, no, there are the PM tens. I think is a scientific name for uh, these tiny particles that are mm. really um, the devil of a combustion engine that that uh, they get into your lungs. Particulate matter of less than ten microns in size, I think it is, but it, which yes. essentially is what made diesel the enemy. Uh, Diesel was everybody's friend 12 years ago, 12 to 15 years ago. In fact, the Green Party in government lowered the taxes on diesel and turned us all from petrol heads to diesel heads because it was the cleanest option at the time. Um, but, but I think kind of greater awareness of and less tolerance for pollution uh, means that it's now the bad guy to say nothing of the carbon it produces, which is a huge issue. I remember the minister, John Gornley, did that and he announced that everybody should buy newer, less polluting diesel engines. The great benefit of which I think was that they polluted less than previously older diesel engines. Yes. But I think it wasn't really known that 
apart from the CO2 emissions, there were other nasty bits coming out of the tailpipe of, of diesel cars that uh, we really shouldn't have made that switch. So listen, it, it was probably a better option than uh, than petrol at the time because you burn less of it per kilometre travelled. Uh, but the tailpipe is dirty and, and even the petrol tailpipe is dirty because we're producing carbon. So the world needs to move on. Um, you'll know this, Tim, but the European Union going back 20 years ago in the year 2000, there thereabouts, they actually incentivized biodiesel because biodiesel at that stage was going to be the next big thing, you know, grown sustainably. Um, In fact, that backfired a bit as a policy globally. It affected global food prices. And in fact, there was an example of of Brazilian rainforest being cut down to grow crops to make biofuel for Europeans, which is a huge own goal. Um, But while that was going on, you, you did drive a modified diesel on biofuel for a while, didn't you? I did. I have had a, a long journey uh, to electric cars. Uh, I started off with a petrol car, uh, as probably did, fellas my age, and uh, that became expensive over time. I used to look over the fence at diesel cars that would you'd get more miles to the gallon and diesel was cheaper. Apart from it sounding like a truck, uh, it was the way to go as far as I, I decided. So then I got a diesel car. And I'm very much aware, becoming more aware of the environmental damage of diesel cars. Uh, A friend of mine who had set up in business converting diesel cars to run on vegetable oil, pure plant oil, said to me, why don't you get your your car converted? I had a a Volkswagen Passat diesel at the time. A robust machine, yeah. Uh, I was very fond of it. It got a good, solid car. But he converted it for me, I, I remember, to run on vegetable oil. Mm. And he did the job. I think it cost about €2,000. It was, it was quite costly for a kind of a modification to a, yeah. a second car. But he, he gave it back to me with a little bottle of rapeseed oil to celebrate. <laughs> and the Green Party were actually quite strong on this at the start yeah. of it. Yeah, and it was going to be um, reduced tax. On using uh, biodiesel. It didn't work out like that because to go into Tesco and buy three litres of, of vegetable oil to put in the car was fine, but it exposed you to a liability to the revenue commissioners of yeah. 4 cent or something like that per litre, uh, which you should remember yeah. and get to the end of the year and put your hands up and tell the revenue, this is what, I, what, what I've spent now, there, there is an EU directive that we have to have a, a biofuels obligation, I think it is. Yeah. So that there has to be biofuel in, in, the, in the diesel mix because it, it causes less pollution. Uh, That's right. The government decided then that it wasn't a good idea to expect car drivers like Tim O'Brien to do this because mm. it's probably a little bit hard to get the 44 cent a litre uh, uh, excise duty off him. And B, it, it's very messy. If yeah. they, they, they imposed a thing, I think, where fuel importers had to add in the biofuel at the time of, of into the refinery. when yeah. they, And that made it a lot easier administratively. But then, as you say yourself, it was discovered people in the developing world were doing without food to sell uh, plants to the Western world for fuel, which... Yeah. Is morally bankrupt and can't be sustained. 
well, it was you know collateral damage. Be, be, beware well-meaning policies because it was it, it was you know an unintended consequence, but it undermined the whole exercise. Uh, but it was interesting to observe that if you want to run a car on diesel, you don't have to buy oil from an Arab sheikh, and um, you, you 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 can you can grow the diesel sustainably uh, and run, run the thing on vegetable oil. Um, but maybe that has its day. You you've moved on to electric, and I think so is the world. But what have you got now, Tim, and when did you go electric? About 2015, I bought a Nissan Leaf, a 24-kilowatt Nissan Leaf. I had been driving uh, a diesel Audi estate, which is a big Mm. thing, and a heavy user of diesel. And it was getting old, and the tax on it was savage. It was about €700 a year, as far as I remember. Oh, yeah, Uh, that's nasty. The older diesels. It was about 10 years old in 2015. So I bought a Nissan Leaf 24 kilowatt battery. I was immediately impressed. It was very Mm. light. It was very nippy. There was a load of electrics on it that the Audi didn't have. Uh, And the the takeoff acceleration was wonderful. Um, It was, you know, two gears forward and backwards. Yeah. It was nice. It was comfortable. Great heated seats and things like that. And I loved it. The problem mm. with 24 kilowatt kilowatt battery is that if you want to go far, you have to plan in stops yeah. at very poor infrastructure. At the time, the ESB were providing free electricity on the street and yeah. the annual load tax was £125 a year. Euro, €25. Euro a year. Yeah. Uh, so it was no brainer in terms of running costs. It was cheap as chips. Travelling with Expressway and your free travel pass is made easier with a reserved seat. When booking journeys at expressway.ie, make sure to select seat-only reservation free travel scheme and pay just €2 per trip to guarantee your seat. Bookings can also be made from ticket machines in stations and priority boarding will be given to those who book in advance. Travel without a booking is still more than welcome, if you prefer, provided we have space on board. Take it easy with your free travel pass and expressway.ie. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. If you're enjoying this podcast, why not subscribe to Senior Times, the magazine and website for people who don't act their age. Or maybe you have a loved one or a friend who you know would love to read more. You can buy a subscription and have the magazine delivered direct to their door. To subscribe to Senior Times, visit the website at seniortimes.ie and like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash senior times. cheapest chips and, and from a man who used to literally use chip oil in his car you would know at high know my car used to smell like a chipper so i used it from smelling like a chipper to driving cheapest chips and it was great fun and i did like it and i remember noticing that i could be beside the bmw at the lights and i'd leave them in my in my if there was 10 exhaust fumes i would yeah. leave them in my exhaust Which- fumes 
Well, 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 do you know, sly, sly, sly confession time, but I know you would never put this in the Irish Times, Tim. But ye- ye- years ago, I did a thing with ESB. They installed a charge point in uh, in, in my house here in Loch and I had the use of a Mitsubishi Imeev for about seven or eight weeks, I think it was. And that car uh, was one of the, it, it was an earlier version even than the Leaf, I think. So as a machine, it did have limitations. Like you were saying about the 24 kilowatt Leaf, I, I, I took it for a, a short run, relatively short run on the motorway from sort of the Tala Junction to the airport and back. And uh, even on that run, I, I was sweating it on the way home, hoping the little thing would make it. Um, but the, what you say about the acceleration is also true because uh, to my shame, I was coming around the Spalwell roundabout and I said, well, now the experts tell me these things really accelerate very fast. I, I wonder how true that is. Um, and two things happened. Firstly, it turned out that it is true. And secondly, I got penalty points for it. Guard came from out behind the bus stop saw me in my little, uh, what my kids used to call an electric roller skate, and uh, flagged me down, and there you go, got penalty points. So I can confirm Why the acceleration. Why did we not know this at the time? Uh, well, this I know. such a good story. I know, but sure, it's old now, Tim. It's old now. Um, <laughs> but, but, uh, but, you know, apart from that unfortunate incident, uh, which could happen to a bishop, um, the, the, the technology was brilliant. So I, I loved the technology, but I was really struck by how restrictive the range was. Uh, now that's a good few years ago. You, 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 what years well, ago? I was at? interested when you said that you went around the motorway there to the airport because yeah. electric cars did and still do hate motorways. Uh, I've never really figured out exactly why it is, but mm-hmm. if you constantly at 120 kilometers an hour, which is the top speed on a motorway, your battery runs down faster than anything that that that, that it's possible to imagine. Now I, I imagine and I know that. Uh, diesel and petrol cars are using energy, uh, energy on, on the motorways as, as well. You just don't notice. It. Um, in, in around town, my leaf was great. I could go from my home into the Irish Times in Tara Street for about two days in a row before I'd have to plug it in while I was sleeping. It took about six hours to get on a home charger from uh, empty to full. Uh, when people would say to me, you know, it's just not sustainable that it takes uh, a car six hours to to, to fill the tank. <laughs> I was, how long do you expect to sleep? Uh, and in that in, a, in in that use as a city car, the Leaf was great. But I it is my to go to to Leitrim a lot in the summer, and uh, a two and a half hour journey could easily become a four hour journey yeah. because you have to stop. And you have to stop for a half an hour each time, at least. Uh, yeah, and that, and that makes it a little bit of a hard sell. I mean, I, I was confirmed. I left the AA last year. I, I, I needed I needed to get a car, and I considered electric. Um, and you know, you you can you could spend an awful lot of money on electric cars, and you know, the specifications as you go up the ranges. They're phenomenal machines, but she's expensive. Um, and the, the big drive that I have to do is to, is to Sligo and back. My, my mother's in rural Sligo. It's 250 kilometers there, and there's no charger when you get there. So, you know, there and back is 500 kilometers. I wound up getting, the AA had an old company car. I just bought it from them and took it out the door with me. And it was like your Passat. It's actually a, a Skoda Superb, uh, seven or eight years old diesel. And, um, you know, I'm, I, I fit it with diesel and I don't have 
to worry about anything and I was able to buy it very cheaply. So um, it still it still is a bit of bravery and, and even financial bravery to take the plunge and buy an electric well, car. Well, I, I, I don't think so. I, I, I think, to be honest, uh, uh, that is a, a kind of a common myth that's out there that it we should all go electric and probably will in time, but it's not right for me just yet because things mm. are not... Um, that's not true, really, if you examine it. The, um, the ranges of cars like um, Hyundai, Kona's, um, mm. even my own MG, which I drive, an EV now, is, is, uh, is well into the hundreds of kilometres. Well, uh, like, I think mm. you get about four to 500 kilometres off the, the Kona, you would get three on a good day out of my car. Um, yeah. A range of other cars there. Uh, the Hyundai also do a new version of the Ionic, or I, I, I'm not sure how they pronounce yeah. that. Volkswagen have the ID3 and the ID4, uh, which are basically um, the ID3 is a bit like the Golf, and the ID4 is a bit more like an SUV. Yeah. And, and we up around the 500 range. So the ranges are there. They are expensive, but they're very cheap to run. You're yeah. talking. Uh, the most that I could possibly calculate that, that it would ever cost me would be about uh, 40% of the cost of petrol. Yeah, because it's not just the cost of petrol and diesel. I mean, my, 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 my cheap Skoda does need diesel put in it fairly regularly. Um, and also things like servicing and maintenance, etc. are just, there's so many more moving parts in an internal combustion engine. The maintenance of it is a much more elaborate. There plan. is. It's, it's, it's a great pleasure to me because I once bought a, a, an A3 and did an article on this in the Irish Times. The first service of the car cost €800. Euro. It was advertised as a €400 euro service. And I kept getting calls throughout the day from the garage saying, yeah. uh, do you brake fuel, fuel? Do you want wipers and things like that? I thought they were all included. So I said, yes, yes, the lot, whatever it needs. <laughs> 800 euro. My, my last service um, with the MG was 80 euro. 80 euro. Um, 80 euro. There, there's nothing there. There's no oils. There's no um, clutch. There's no cylinder heads. There's no spark plugs. There's none. None of all that grimy stuff. Yeah. Um, so, so if you think about it, once you have the machine in the driveway, you're going to pay, what, only about a quarter of the fuel cost, if that, and, 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 and only about 10% of the maintenance cost, if that. Yeah, uh, it's a while since I looked at it. I think for about 250 to 300 kilometres, uh, it would cost me about €8.50. I mean, that, that is very cheap. Yeah, and I even go if, down and back to Carrick on Shannon now. I did do last summer for about seventeen euro in electricity in another Audi Q3 that lives in this house. It would cost about sixty euro. So they're so they're pretty pretty convincing as 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 well as being better machines. Um, when you own an electric car, is a part of your brain permanently occupied by knowing how much charge there is? I don't want to be rude about it. But not really the brain, but another part of the anatomy that you see. <laughs> the sphincter. <laughs> constantly switching if, if you're running low on power and, and you pull into a motorway service station and there are two cars ahead of you. Because two cars ahead of you in a, in a petrol station is nothing, but two cars in a, an EV electric charging station is about an hour. 
you know, there's a lot of nonsense talked about um, how many chargers we have in the country. Uh, some of these single pods standing upright, in theory, charge three cars at once. That would be two different types of holder for direct current, which is fast, and mm. one alternating current, which is comparatively slow. But the charge point machines tend to be based on 50 kilowatt. Uh, that would be the most popular ones, I think. Uh, and if two cars are, are tethered to that at once, they will only get about 20 each. And if you, as your car starts to fill with power, the charge slows down. So I would have to say that, that the charging network across the country has got a lot better. It is yeah. worse, of course, out in the, the wilds of Sligo are the wilds of Kerry. So you have to really consider uh, when you're going to those places, uh, can you plug in and where do you charge on the way home? It takes a bit of planning and, and that takes a bit of getting used to, but you get used to it fairly quickly and it can be done. Yeah. And it should probably also be said, if there's people who are sort of wavering, should I get one or should I not? It's probably worth saying that the driving experience is a joy with them. They're they're sensational. They're extremely smooth. They drive just like a normal automatic. Um, but with performance, even in even in modest ones, with performance that y- your petrol engine could only dream of. Yeah, no, it's lovely. I mean, that torque when 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 you, when you open it up and, and just head out the road, it's it's just wonderful. They're light, they're nippy, and uh, they're a little bit too quiet. Um, in in mm-hmm. in city, you know, that you will see the pensioner hobbling across the road in front of you who doesn't hear the car and and stuff like that. Yeah, well, you know, they're actually having to think seriously about that and talk about putting noisemakers in them, except for just that reason, yeah. because uh, because you can't hear them coming. Um, and so, so what do you think it will take? If, if you look at sort of electric vehicle market share now, it is growing. Um, if you throw in the hybrids, it's it's growing very strongly. But what, what, what do you think will, will, will it take to sort of unleash demand and, and, and make it go mainstream? It's, it's still somewhere that you, you kind of need to be committed. Um, you need to be an evangelist of some sort to buy one now. What do you think it would take to move it mainstream? Again, again I take issue with the idea of evangelist. I, I, in the last... A couple of years since I got my first EV, where we were kind of either very green or very mean. It, it's now, it's pretty much mainstream. And I've heard it said that there's no market in secondhand cars. And that's not true because both my EVs were secondhand, uh, albeit only a year old when I bought each of them. What do you think is going to persuade uh, people in, in, in oh, large yeah, the, the, the availability of chargers? Uh, as I was saying, since... The last year or two, batteries have come up to give a range of about 500 kilometers in a, in a standard car. But still, if you go a long distance to Kerry, to Sligo, you need to be able to charge to come home. The ESB has said they will double the amount of chargers to about 3,000 over the next 10 years. But that's the same time frame that Eamon Ryan wants to see a million cars on the road and 3,000 chargers for a million cars on the road is just not going to butter any positives. This is this is kind of controversial stuff because we are existing uh, in the electric vehicle community now. And to be quite candid about it, a lot of people with electric vehicles don't like you talking it down. But the network is poor. Mm. Yeah, you, need, yes. you need a much better network. Easy Go have come into the uh, market as well with private chargers and and they're very good i i've signed up to them myself as well as the ESP. 
but the whole thing, we need more entrance. We need not, not to carry a card for EasyGo and a card for the ESP. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it did. And I say, if, if you wanted to design a system or you conceive of the private car and roll it out, you certainly wouldn't choose the internal combustion engine and, and the burning of fossil fuels. Um, now, it, it, that got to happen because it was the easiest, the cheapest. But I mean, electric vehicle technology has been around an awful long time. Um, but with all of the research and development and, and scale and rollout going to petrol and diesel, there wasn't the research money going into batteries, for example. And it's only latterly that the battery technology breakthrough has really enabled e-cars. Um, but to me, it's exciting what can be achieved. Um, we, we can get to emission-free transport using electric vehicles, can't we? We absolutely can. That is happening as we speak. I mean, it is out there. And I should also say that Avon Ryan has pointed out that when you criticise the network, around the country, uh, the number of fast chargers particularly, most people will charge at home mm -hmm. and most people overnight because that's the cheapest way to do it. And I think that's going to be like the plastic bag tax. People will charge their car up at home overnight and it will alter their behaviour. Yeah, and that will do 95% of your journeys. Uh, um, I mean, uh, the typical household is a two-car household. You said there's a you, you have a, a conventionally powered Audi that cohabits happily with your EV in your driveway. And many of us are like that. But one of the things I've said before is instead of having this mindset that this is his car and that's her car, uh, if you have the mindset that this is a local car and this is a long-range car, then you might have that's a exactly the, That's exactly the way I had hoped it would work out here. But since there is a 50% rebate on motorway tolls, my electric car seems to be stretching itself up and down to Kells, just beyond Kells, up on uh, Northmead near Oldcastle. And it's about 110, 115 kilometres away. And the tolls involved in that trip from Delgany would be 10 euros. So I can do that on a, on a fiver's tolls and very little cost for the electricity. Whereas the Audi pays a tenor's toll and about 60 euros of electricity, yeah. 50 euros of diesel. Yeah. So my, 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 uh, my electric car, while it's kind of still being looked at with, with, with nose twitching, it is still for these journeys. So roll on the future and hopefully we will get more and more of them. Um, so if you were talking to, well, if you're talking to a colleague, a friend or whatever, and they're on the cusp thinking, you know, maybe electric, maybe not. What, what would you say to persuade them? If you're waiting for the perfect car and the perfect situation, it will never come along. Uh, buy it now. It's going to be a lot cheaper than petrol. It's going to be a lot cheaper than road tax. There's all sorts of grants involved, VRT rebates. So the initial outlay is a lot. A lot of these cars cost about 40000 But over time, you, you make that back on, on the savings and tax and fuel and, and maintenance. Very good. It's a no-brainer for me. I, I could never see myself going back to driving a fossil fuel car. Well, I suppose that's a, a, a good and positive note, Tim. Um, so you're, you're, you're a believer in the tech. Do you know, I am myself. I sort of slightly try and play devil's advocate, and I didn't buy an EV when I had the chance to last year. Um, but I, I, I am sort of waiting. I, I, I think we're kind of at that hockey stick adoption curve point where um, it, it's about to be everywhere. Um, and it, I, I think something similar happened with smartphones. You know, nobody had them, then the odd person had them. And then, you know, the following week, everybody had them. The thing about electric vehicles is that you'll have to get in quick before the government starts to remove 
the incentives because I suspect that the government basically thinks cars are the problem, not what not what powers them. Yeah, you may be right there because there's something of an un- unholy alliance. And here I put on my old-fashioned hat as the, 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 the motorist guy or the motoring guy. Um, but there is a sort of an unholy alliance uh, ganging up against us. Um, on, the one, on the one hand, you've kind of got the, uh, not exclusively the Green Party, but sort of the environmentally concerned. And they dislike not only carbon, which there's a really strong case about, uh, but they also talk about congestion and just don't like cars at all. You get the feeling they'd uninvent them if they could. Uh, and then on, on the other hand, you have government uh, for whom cars are just a fantastic source of revenue. And, and if they incentivize electric cars, they're losing, you know, as the diesel market share is dropping, so is that 44 cent per litre that you were talking about uh, when we came in, Tim. Government is losing that as well. So they, they are going to want to um, tax motoring even when motoring is emission free. Uh, and, and, and they will be helped in this by a cohort that wants to tax, tax motoring emissions or no emissions because they just don't like them. I think that's very much true. I remember Bertie Ahern saying when we raised the issue, of a disproportionate amount of taxes paid on cars in this country compared to our neighbours in, in the UK. And, and uh, Bertie's reply was, how do you want to pay your taxes? The government has become reliant on, um, it was, I think, at the time, four or five billion a year yeah. from the motor industry. And I, if it wants to switch to electric cars, will it completely forgo that money? Well, you know, they made a mistake before. They made a similar mistake. I say they, it was a different government. But back in 2006, when they were planning for the tax change, which I think came in in 2008, and at that stage, the idea was to make people buy diesel and to incentivize them to buy the cleanest diesels possible as measured in CO2 per kilometre travelled. Um, and that's where the emissions move, the tax move from the engine size to the tailpipe emissions, which was a good thing. The oh. problem was that they froze, they chose their tax bands based on 2008 technology with cars mapped from your, you know, your big executive saloon in band E to your little micro in band A. And the problem was that it was so successful across Europe that, that car manufacturers just improved their emission scores right across the board, which is brilliant for the planet but it also meant somebody could spend 60 grand on a brand new Jaguar uh, and have it fall into band A and pay less tax than uh, a diesel car that happened to be a couple of years old. Um, So, you know, that distorted the market a bit and also cost the government plenty of money in terms of of tax revenue foregone. So, um, And if this can't be foregone going forward, as they they all like to say, um, we go back to Bertie. How, How do you want to pay your taxes? How do you want to pay your taxes? I mean, I can foresee in the future, it might be a tax on movement so that, you know, all cars, people mightn't be aware of this, but all cars are tracked data protection concerns there. But the Galileo um, the European equivalent to GPS uh, is, is installed in all new cars and it helps, for example, call the emergency services if uh, the car doesn't crash. It's a brilliant feature on some cars now that will automatically call the emergency services if the airbags detonate which is all kind of fantastic connected technology. But you can imagine that in the future, you'll be taxed if your car moves. So if you want to drive into Dublin city centre during the morning commuting rush hour, might be a tax on that journey. If you want to drive locally in Delgany of a Sunday afternoon, there might be a different tax on that. Scary that's stuff. Very, that's a very interesting way of looking at it. It, it. Kind of 
it mirrors the idea that they should have put the tax on uh, petrol when people were all driving petrol cars, like it, uh, charging you a state insurance fee and put that on, you pay for that on when you get petrol so that if you do more driving, you pay more insurance through the through yeah. petrol. Yeah. Um, and, and of course, we don't have a properly designed system, really. We have an evolved system where different taxes and excises and all that get get dreamed up and thrown into the mix. And eventually they come. None of them are hypothecated. They're all just centralized government revenue. So it all just goes to government's bottom line. This is how much cash is coming in. Um, and obviously they want to preserve that stream of cash coming in. Um, and with two, two, two and a half million motorists in Ireland thought of as prime sources of that tax revenue, uh, they'll come and get us, even when we're even when we're in electric cars. It is a problem. They we we would expect that they would do what we normally do and see what everybody else does around the world and copy them. But nobody else seems to have got this one yet. Yeah, um, well, it is being figured out across the world, uh, as 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 certainly in Europe and eventually globally, we we move across for private uh, a private car for private use will not have an internal combustion engine. There may still be a role for diesel for haulage and you know all, all sorts of good uses that diesel is put to and will still be used to uh, and will still be used for in the future but but the ordinary consumer moving around the place will do so in an electric vehicle so clean and uh, no emissions from the tailpipe and hopefully uh, on clean electricity uh, as ireland learns to make clean electricity uh, I mean, as Joe before, a turf-powered Tesla isn't really that much good to us in the scheme of things. So we got to make the electricity cleanly as well. This slur has been thrown at me in the past, but I buy my electricity from a company that uses wind. Uh, so I can say that my car is powered by wind. Ah, well, it's uh, I, I, I could joke that uh, as, as we're, we're both professionally powered by wind as well, Tim. Um, <laughs> so... <laughs> so, so, so it fits right in. Uh, well, listen, thank, thanks for. Uh, so, you and I have spoken many, many times, and 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 will do no doubt uh, as as life goes on. But I knew you were an early adopter, uh, having always been sort of passionate about keeping your car as clean as possible from the chip oil uh, to to where you are now. Uh, so, thanks for telling us what it's like to be an ordinary consumer in an electric car. Thank you. Very, very enjoyable. So that's Tim happy with his e car. We'll come back to this one again, as there's plenty more to be considered if we're to get a million electric cars on the road, as is the stated aim. Anyway, for now, thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed it. Please check out previous episodes where you'll find chats with people like Shane Ross, Teresa Mannion, Ivan Yates, Dermot Bannon, Brian O'Donovan and others, names you'll know and some you might not. It's all there on seniortimes.ie or wherever you get your podcasts. Just Google Driving Life with Connor Faulkner or you can email me at connorfaulkner at gmail.com. So until next time, drive safely, live happily and come back and see us again. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations.